So we saw yesterday the Shvatim come with complaints to the God of Neruven that they're breaking the halacha by building a new Mizbech and they're scared that the result of that is going to be that HaKadosh Baruch is going to, so to speak, uh, punish the whole of the Jewish people as a cause of it. So it's interesting, and even though originally the Pasuk says that when the Jewish people gathered in Shiloh, they gathered for war. It says, Lala Salaam they came like an army. But nevertheless, they didn't attack them. They came to discuss with them. So they came to mention the complaint. And uh, they gave, they got them their the chance to respond before they went to fight. We're going to see that in later times, this very important stage was left out. Later, we'll see the story of Pilegish Megiba and Binyamin. At the end of Sefer Shoftim, we'll see that Kai Israel decided also they had to gather to fight for what they held was right. But there they never gave Shevet Binyamin uh, the opportunity to defend themselves, which is going to see a tragic consequences. Now, so what did they answer back? So we're holding the Imperial Kofbez, Pasuk Kofalev, and this is the response of Negod and Bneruven to what the Shotan told them. So it says, Vayanu Bneruven of Negod, Vachati Shevet HaMenashe. So the, the three Shvatim, or the two and a half Shvatim, on Ever, in Ever Yarden, they responded, Vayidavru Esrosh Al-Peshwal. They answered back the leaders of the Shvatim who had come to them with this complaint. And first thing, there were a number of points in the complaint. If you look back to what the Pinchas and the Rosh Matas told them, the first thing they said is that it's a mild by Hashem, that you're rebelling against Hashem by building this Mizbech, that was the first point they said. And the next point they said was this is a repetition of the mistake of Pa'ar, which is love to explain the significance of that. And then the third point they said was that you're going to cause anger against Hal of Kaisha. So they're going to be never going to answer all three points. So the first thing is regarding the complaints that the Shvatim had made to them that you're rebelling against Hashem. So they wanted to declare that's not true. So they make a shvur and they say, Hashem. Hashem. The power, most powerful of all the gods is Hashem. Hashem. Right, like we, it's very similar to the phrase Kaisho Salat when they want to declare that Hashem is the only God, Hashem Malekim. It's the same idea. The, he's just saying it more forcefully. That Kel Kolelekim, like Rashi explains it, the power above any other God, any other deity is Hashem. And who is there? He, Hashem, knows that He knows what our real intention was. In other words, it wasn't an act of rebellion, it wasn't an act of imuna. On the contrary, Hashem knows that we're true to Him. And not only that, the Yisrael Hu Yeda. They're hoping that Hashem will make known to the Jewish people also that that there was nothing that they did wrong in putting this as Be'ech. Why? In Be'merit, in Be'mal Hashem. If it was, putting this as was an act of rebellion or something Hashem was, so to speak, acting against what Hashem wanted, in Al Tashiyan Yamazeh. They meant the opposite of that. In other words, if we, if we did something wrong with what we did, we should be punished. Hashem shouldn't save us. That if our intention was, if our intention was to, so to speak, go change our minds from serving Hashem, or if, even if it wasn't against Hashem, but if you want to make this in order to offer Karbanas on it, even though the Karbanas would have been to Hashem, but it would have nevertheless been the wrong thing to do because, as we saw, it was a time when 
They were not allowed to build private mizbeachs outside the Mishkan. So had that been our intention, then Hashem would have a cash. Hashem should punish us. They're saying Hashem knows the truth. And if, 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 if Hashem knows that there's any havamina that we want to do the wrong thing, then that should punish us. In other words, they mean the opposite. It's, it's clear to us that we didn't do anything wrong, and therefore there's no reason there's no reason for Hashem to punish us. He knows the truth. Let him punish us if we're wrong. But their actions look pretty suspicious. Right. Their actions are worse. Now they have to explain themselves. Why are you doing bullness with their so they're going to explain themselves in the next passage. It's only because we were worried about something if we built this back. Because what were we worried about? The people, the people would say, Maybe in a future generation, your descendants will tell our descendants, that you, Jews living across the Yarden, you don't have a part in Kal Yisrael. There's a natural barrier between us, the rest of Israel, and the Ruben of God, and that's the Jordan, it's the Yadin. And therefore, they said the Jewish people in Israel will, will, so to speak, consider the Shvatim living on the other side of the Yadin as not a Chalik of Kal Hashem. And your your children will prevent our children from serving Hashem. As if we're fearing Hashem, but how are they going to prevent them from serving Hashem? And that they're going to say that you don't have a right to bring korbanas, you don't have a right to come to the Mishkan, whatever it is. In other words, for some reason, they were scared, they got over the groove that since, again, they were on the outskirts, they were on the other side of the yard, and they weren't part of the rest of La Yisrael, that a later generation will consider them, therefore, not to be a part of La Yisrael. And therefore, what do they decide to do to prevent that? We're going to build this Mizbech, not to bring Korbanus on it. It's not going to be an act of Mizbech, it's going to be symbolic. And what's the point of the symbolism? This is going to be a, a witness between us and you, and also therefore between both of our descendants, that we also have the right to serve Hashem, we bring our Korbanus, which means I'm bringing a in the Mishkan. And that way, your children won't be able to say to our children in the future that you don't have a chalik in Hashem. In other words, bring the thing of Hashem. We have to explain what was the symbolism of the Mizbah? How's it going to prove anything? And therefore, the Gaiman Rebbe said, we said, if they will tell us about the sentence tomorrow, and we'll say back to them, Look at the mud of the Mizbech which our fathers built. Not, it's not being used. It wasn't used to sacrifice any kind of carbon on it. It's only meant to be an Eidu It's only meant to be a witness between us and between you. So, therefore, to sum up what they're saying, we shouldn't do anything, it's far from us to rebel against Hashem, or to do against what Hashem wants, to build the Mizbech, to be used for sacrifices of Menachis, and we won't bring sacrifices of Mizbech Hashem, we're only going to bring Karbanis by the Mizbech of Hashem, which is in the Mishkan. Okay, so therefore, let's sum up the argument, and let's explain one or two points that we're trying to make. They say, they say you assumed, you built this Mizbech to be used for Karbanis. 
And if that's the case, there was two points. Number one, it's against Hashem once. And number two, it's separating themselves from the rest of Klai Yisrael. Right now they have a private Mizbeach, so Kiru, the rest of Klai Yisrael was worship Hashem Mishila. And Klai Yisrael felt, or at least suspected, that they're now going to want to bring, do their private avoid on this Mizbeach that they had built by the Jordan. And but the God of Reuben said, Chas v'Shalom. It's exactly the opposite on both points. Firstly, um, Hashem knows that we weren't trying to rebel against Him, and He knows we were never intending to use the Mizbech. So why did we build it? So He said, because they were scared that in the future, the Jews of Eretz Israel would look upon the God of Reuben as not a part of the Jewish people, and therefore they would, so to speak, not allow them to take part in the Avodas Mizbech in Shiloh. And therefore they built a replica of the Mizbech in the Avayadin, which they weren't using, but it was meant to show that you see that we also have a chalik in Mizbech. How is it meant to show that? So what exactly were Bnei Rubin worried about? They kept talking about your children to our children. What Bnei Gad and Bnei Rubin were worried about was that in the future, the, the, the generations of in the future Klaishal would deny that Bnei Gad and Bnei Rubin also had a chalik in the Mizbech, also the right to bring Karbanas, because like we're going to see a lot of the dinim of the Mizbech the Korbanus are told in Eretz Yisrael. So, for example, the din of Aliyah and the Regal is the din in Eretz Yisrael. The din of being where you can bring wheat from Menachos for or oil for the Naira is all din in Eretz Yisrael. Right? So, if that's the case, then there would be a possibility that Jewish people in the future would think Eretz Yisrael ends with the Jordan River. That's the board the Torah says. Right? And now, therefore, people living across the Arden, the Vetsin aren't part of Eretz Yisrael. They don't belong, and therefore, that they, don't, they can't bring the animals in the Mizbech, we're not going to accept them as as uh, as the way they are, as being part of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore we don't see a chiyof of the in the regal, whatever it is, they lost their connection to the Mishkan. Now, they got into the Reuben and said, now we know it's not true. The original Dara knew that Moshe Rabbein had given them every Yardin, and therefore it has the condition of Eretz Yisrael, and therefore they are allowed to participate fully in whatever's happening in the Mishkan. But, even though Moshe gave it to them, the Ma'as said the borders of Eretz Yisrael and the Torah still remain the border, the east border of Eretz Yisrael, the Yadin River. And therefore they were worried that a future generation is going to forget this. That even the land we've given Ever Yadin is a part of Eretz Yisrael. And if that's the case, I think we don't have the right to bring Korbanus, we don't have the right to Eretz Yisrael. We, are, we aren't the Chalik of Eretz Yisrael. And therefore what was the eight that they came up with to prove that? If you're going to build a replica of the Mizbeach of Shiloh here by the Ever Yadin, which isn't going to be used, but it's going to show that we always used to use the Mizbech in Shiloh. Why would we build the Mizbech here, which isn't being used, and exactly the same Mizbech which there was in Shiloh? And the answer is because it was meant to be a symbol that you see we always have a connection to Shiloh. That's why we have our symbol here, to show that we didn't build a different Mizbech. On the contrary, we're not using this Mizbech. Why not? Because we're going to Shiloh. So this was meant to be the symbol for the future generations that the Yidin Eva Yarden also historically always used to go to Shira, also had a chalik in the, the Karbanas, also had a chalik in the Avoy. Did they, they give a machzah and a shakal again? And therefore they give a machzah even though a machzah shakal isn't an Eretz Yisrael. They used to go, we connect a machzah shakal in Babel also. And in fact, Allah is that you could bring a wheat from Eretz So this is a hard halacha to know because now we're talking at the time of Bayes Rishon, when it was part of Eretz Yisrael. Masha'enke, when Kaishal came back after the goddess of Babel, and we built the second Mesa Megdash, so then there were no Jews living in Ever Yadin. And therefore, since we passed them, that uh, the Kedusha Rishonah is only in Kitchen of Shaito, and when the Jewish people came back from Babel, and they had to re-consecrate Eretz Yisrael, 
And they only reconcentrated those places where the Jews were living. Oh, the that's it, right. Also, in this case, the early Bibles, they get to Schmitz, they get to many other halachas. If that's the case, then the time of the second verse of well, it's true, they didn't reconcentrate every Yardin, they had separate dinner. There was, for example, Schmitz only applies to Midrabanan, and there was Machlekes, if there's a dinner of Trumus and Masus in there or not, Machlekes in the Mishnah, because this was all totally on the, what was the status of every Yardin in the time of the second verse of we don't have halachas from the time of the first person Mikdash, but we understand that it was meant to be. That, that was the machlekes Could be, but wherever it was, we know it was meant to be. And as the time of the first person Mikdash, it was definitely meant to be a part of Eretz Yisrael. Fully. Fully, yes. Uh, and the raya for this is when the Gemara talks a few times about what was the status of Syria. The status of Syria, which was a place which was conquered by David Melech, and the Gemara says Syria was only quasi Eretz Yisrael because it was Kibush Yachid. Whereas every Yardin, which was Kibush of Kali Yisrael together, so that's the case. So we have the dinner Now another question is bothering me is, well, how can you make a, a like an aidus between two people if only one person knows about it? Right, you're asking a good question. There's going to be an between us, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Just... Right, so they're asking a good question. And that is, if Negadim the Rebbe had this idea, why didn't they inform the Jewish people? Why did it come as a surprise to them that suddenly the building is back, which was a catalyst for them to raise the army to come and fight? Right, so there's one of two options. The first one is, that that's how they were going to tell Kalishal about it. They expected there to be a reaction, and they expected to show them that you know, now that you're all here, now we can show you what you're doing. Whereas if each of the Shvatim was in their own Akhila, and they got in the river doing their private thing wherever they are, then how all the tribes which are scattered around the country are going to be aware of it? And if it was Dafka this way, that this way all the Russian Matis came to where it was, and now the Gaudi could tell them this is what we're doing, so that was a way to inform them about it. And as it could be that this was calculated, that's what they wanted to do. And so they didn't tell the Jewish leadership. And uh, that was one option. The other option is that, uh, it, wa- that it wasn't necessary as a sign for that dot. Because that dot all knew that Abraham had them as part of Eretz Israel, and then Moshe gave it to them as, uh, in place of the work they did. It was only Hashash for future terrorists. And that's the case. The fact that the symbol would be there, the held would be enough as a, as a way to show future terrorists. You see, our ancestors also used to go to Shiloh. That's why we built this in Israel, not to use. And they've had they built no Mizbech, so then the future Darius Kutaina, he didn't bring Kabbalah at all, not Shina, not anywhere else. And therefore they thought the idea of building Mizbech, which we're not using, shows you do want to bring Kabbalah, so why aren't we using our Mizbech? Because we're using Mizbech in Shina, that was meant to be the right. They didn't want to bring it to Shina, there was Mizbech in Shina. They wanted it to be a symbol by them. But even though it's Mizbech by us, we're not using the Mizbech. And that's a riot that we didn't, we never de- detached ourselves from Shiva. Right. What does it say that this was there and then Shiva? The beginning, in the passage, it says that they went. They didn't, they built Mizbech by the Yarden. They built Mizbech in their Nachala. But they said it was meant to, uh, to, to be the same as Mizbech in Shiva. So that people would see we're not building here, we're not using this Mizbech, it must be. No, for sure it wasn't Shiva, it was in every Yarden. It was Tavnis Mizbech Shiva, it was the same model as Mizbech Shiva. Right. Okay, one more question, which you have to ask in this parasha. And that is, what happened to Yosha? It was already asked beforehand. The, the army goes to the Klayashal gather. Klayashal appoint Pinchas, Ben Elazar, and the Shvatim to lead the campaign to Eden Ebrei And they come in and they have this discussion. Where's Yosha in the whole story? And what, what, what interests us about it is, as we know, Yosha was a Navi. And if that's the case, was, was there a question of asking first the Navi, are we meant to be going to war? Are we meant to go, like, address Nagar and Neruven and 
Was it Shavi Handed? Was it Shavi Left in the Dark? Did he ever? He doesn't come in the parish of Bichra. You allowed to go to war without the Shavi Left? And the Chayra. And the Chayra. As the Gemara tells us in Brachas, that the procedure for going to the war, you need four stages. You need to, you have to shell over the Tumim, you have to ask a Navi, you have to be in the Nechbas and Hedrin, you have to get a Rishus from the king. Right? Like it says, the, when they came to David and Melech, to ask to go to war, they first had to ask him, and once David agreed, they went to ask the Sanhedrin, and then they went to ask the Rimutamim, and they had to ask him, the Chetavel, whose word was like in the book. Right? So there's a procedure. The Chetavel don't decide to spontaneously raise forces and begin wars. So what happened over here? So we understand Chetavel all gathered in Shiloh, but where was Yosha? Where was Yosha? And what's more than that is, where was the Nebuch? Were they meant to do this or not meant to do this? So it's amazing. Like I said, there's no... The Pasuk Bichal doesn't address it even in the future. We're going to see the continuation of the story, but it's going to tell us um, that when Christ, that uh, having now heard their explanation, so Pinchas and the Rashi Matas leave and go over to Shiloh again, and even there Yeshua doesn't feature in the story. So why not? Where was he? So, like I said, we have no indication from the Novi. As far as I know, there's no Chazal which talks about it either, but there are suggestions made by the Mephoshim what, what happens. And it depends on what we said before. In other words, if Bnei God and Bnei Ruben's Cheshpen was going to build this Mizbech, and that's what's going to bring Klai Yisrael here, so that way they'll all hear our explanation is Mizbech, and it was that it was going to be the sign, so then it was like Mena Shemayim that Yisrael wasn't involved, because had there been a Novi, and the Novi told him, it's okay, don't worry, don't do anything wrong, go home. So that would never happen. Right? So Adafka, whatever, the Hashkoch organized it, that Yisrael wasn't there, and therefore they left without him, Right, was what helped the God and the Ruben achieve the effect they wanted. That's what brought it to the, sta- the brink of battle that Klaishal actually came to, to see this Mizbech up, up close. Um, that's the, the one answer suggested here in the Mephoshim. The other option, which is that Klaishal did it independently, doesn't really make sense. Because if they had the Roshi Matis and, and Pinchas, who was the Jewish leadership? It was Yeshua and the Kohen Gadol Lazar, and then after that, the, the Jewish leadership was the Nasim and Pinchas. He was the next man to be the Kohen Gadol. So it doesn't make sense that they were, it was just like, so to speak, something which was spontaneous with that. Pinchas is It was Pinchas is but Pinchas didn't act without leadership, not here enough with Moshe Rabbein. Even in the case of Zimri, right, when we that's the case of Pinchas being the Kanoi, who's going to fight for Hashem's honor, but the Chazal tell us. It's written in Rashi also, right, according to the Gemara, that Pinchas didn't just go. Pinchas first went to Moshe and said, Rabbeinu Moshe, isn't the halacha kanoim fagimbat? That isn't what I'm meant to be doing. And Moshe told him, if you're the one who remembered the halacha, you'll be the one to execute the halacha. So even then, when we have the example of Pinchas being the kanoi, you see it wasn't against leadership. On the contrary, he asked first. And he was given rishus to go ahead and do it by Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's how he went to do it. Which is, again, an important point. That kanos, whatever it's meant to be, which doesn't take into account the structure of leadership in Klai Yisrael, is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. On the contrary, even if there is a maila in, in being a kanoi, but it's only when it's, so to speak, sanctioned by the leadership. To go work against whoever the leaders of Klai Yisrael are doesn't work. And the best example of that is not of you. Not of you weren't exactly being kanoi, but they felt they were doing the right thing, which is why they went to bring a, uh, their own fire to the Klai Yisrael and when the Gemara explains the reasons they died, one of the reasons is, well, you ask Moshe. 
You might have thought you were doing the right thing. You might have thought this is what was necessary. Whatever the reason, you might have thought it is. But Moshe Rabbeinu is here. Why aren't you asking? And therefore we see here also the idea of spontaneity, of going to do things which you feel is right. But when there's a leader there, not to get Rishos to do something on your own, that's wrong. Even Pinchas, Mishas Meisim was careful with that. So it doesn't make sense that here Pinchas will do things against his father and against the leader, Yeshua. Right? On the contrary. As we see both in the story of the Miraglim, the second time, and when he comes to Asa Hebron, Pinchas accepted Yeshua as the leader. So why would he work on his own? So like I said, it must be the more logical answer, the first answer we gave before, and that is that it was that engineered it in such a way that Yeshua wasn't involved, and therefore there wasn't sort of a the Tilkai shall not to go to war, not to go to war. And that's what brought them to confront the God of Merubah, but that eventually basically made the symbolism or the, the sign that the God of Merubah wanted to make something which all Jewish people would be aware of. There's something left of this Mizbech there. Yeah. Remember something else. The Mizbech in Shiloh was the copper Mizbech of Moshe. It wasn't a building. It was a key. The first time we had a Mizbech made out of stones in the Beis Amikdash. But in Shiloh, the Mizbech there was the Mizbech of the Midbar, right? It's actually an interesting thing. You can go to the ruins of Shiloh today. Like spoke, the ruins of Shiloh, you have spoken once before here. They have them. You can measure them. It's exactly the size that the Mishkan is meant to be. You can see where all the Chatzar is. It's an amazing thing. Shiloh, once it's destroyed, just lay empty for thousands of years. No one ever built anything on top of it. No one ever tried to rebuild it. It wasn't like the best image which Harabais has been plowed up and rebuilt so many times. So you can actually see where the Mishkan was. And you can go measure exactly how big the Chatzar was, the Azar was, everything else. Like I said to you once in this year, right? the Maiser, the, the tour guide who specialized in this year, took me around, because the one thing we don't understand is if there's such a clear demarcation of everything, where's the, where was the Mizbech? We can't find any stones, we can't find any sign of where the Mizbech was built. And he's another Mishnah. Right? He might be an expert in, in archaeology, but not in Mishnahs. Right? It's very clear why there was no sign of Mizbech. The Mizbech wasn't built. The Mizbech of Shiloh was the Mizbech of Moshe, which was a copy of Mizbech they carried in the Midbar. So of course it didn't need a sign, there was no structure there. It was a cleat. But if that's the case, if, like we saw, the Mizbech, which was built in the Eva Yarden, was a tablet of the Mizbech of Shiloh, it was also a cleat. It wasn't built. So of course we're not going to find the memory of it. Whatever stage it got lost, wherever it was there, wherever it landed up, there wasn't something in this area where it was which left the sign. Okay, so that's what we saw. And what, what the point of building this Mizbech was, and how they defend themselves against the Shvatim. And now the Shvatim accept that. They accepted it as to how it was true. And there's an interesting point pointed out that Gemara and Zvachim points out over here. And that is the first time when it says that they sent Pinchas as to lead, the, to lead, so to speak, the force which was going to deal with the Rebbein. So it calls him as Pinchas ben Elazar And over here it talks about Yishma Pinchas HaKoyin. This is the first time in the Torah we have the title Pinchas HaKoyim. But even though Hashem promised Pinchas after the story with Pa'ar that I'm going to you're going to get the Kuna forever. But the Lemais we don't find he actually was called a Koyim until here. And that the Gemara says in Zvachim the Gemara says an amazing thing. That it's true Pinchas was promised for the mice of killing Zimri. But he only actually became a coin here, when he broke it, so to speak, calmed everyone down and made peace between the Shvatim. And that's why here for the first time, Pinchas is called Pinchas a coin. 
It could be also, right, it could be another reason why Yeshua was left out. So this would be the chance for Pinchas to become a coin. What we need to explain next time by Hashem is what's the one going to do with the other one. And what's the, what's the combination of these two factors? You have the one factor that Pinchas is promised Kohena for killing Zimri. And on the other hand, Pinchas gets Kohena for making peace. There seems to be two opposite sides of uh, what Pinchas did. Right. Maybe that itself is the answer. But we're going to see that uh, a coin has to have a balance of both these mitzvahs. On the one hand, Aaron Akoin's job was the Oyev Shalom and the Shalom. On the other hand, this is the, 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 the mind of the Koinim was Mila Hashem Elai. That they were prepared to stand up and fight. Uh, you can't have one without the other one. The Koinim needs both. And that's why for Pinchas to become a Koin, he needed to show both these qualities. He needed to show the qualities willing to stand up and fight for Hashem and to be killed Zimri. And he also needed to show, show the quality of Oyev Shalom and Shalom. And that's over here when Pinchas Rukhina was the one who engineered the peace, so to speak, or kept the peace between the Shvatim. And that's why here, Dafkin Yizaycha, to be called Pinchas the Kohen, because now he has shown himself worthy of the title by having both the middles which uh, Kohen is required to have.